0: Active duty Marine, multiple deployments to Afghanistan, father, husband, son, multiple achievement, accommodation, medals. These are just some of the things that our next guest for the Jarhead podcast, Staff Sergeant Hemming. Let's stand up, buckle up, and shuffle to the door and get going with the Jarhead podcast. If you want to operate with the highest level of respect. We have no our place in Paris, and we'll accept nothing less than that from you!
1: This is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. My rifle is my best friend. It is my life. I must master it, as I must master my life. Without me, my rifle is useless. Without my rifle, I am useless.
0: what is going on all my crayon eaters out there welcome to the jarhead podcast we are uh gonna have a fun time today with uh matthew hemming staff are matthew hemming and we're gonna go through his story and all of that but before we get going i do want to mention a couple things if you're out there and you're a veteran anyone really but especially if you're a veteran and you're having some dark times, you're in that hole, and you need someone to talk to, first of all, you feel free to reach out to me anytime you want to, 24-7. Call, text, email, direct message. I cannot give you medical advice, but I sure as hell can maybe be a pretty decent shoulder and an ear to to, to listen and talk you through some stuff. If you're looking for someone that can actually point you in the direction of medical advice and all that, don't worry about what you're going to think and your ego. Remember two things. One, you're not alone. And two, the world is a much better place with you in it. So if you're out there and you need help, please contact the the Veteran Crisis Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Once again, 1-800-273-8255. It is scrolling if you're watching the video down below. And if you're you're looking at all about learning to find out what it takes to earn the title United States Marine, visit the website, www.marines.com. Or by the end of the day, you can probably uh, contact Staff Sergeant Henning if you're in his area, and he could give you some, some good ideas of what's going on. That being said, let's welcome in our guest, Staff Sergeant Matthew Henning. What's going on, Staff Sergeant? How you doing, bro?
1: I'm doing good. How are you, man?
0: Oh man, just uh, you know, it's it's cold down here. I know it's you're you're up in Ohio, so it's really cold up there. But for Arkansas, it's really cold. We got ice in the ground. But you guys are probably laughing at us, going, "It's just a little bit of snow and ice." We go through that every day. But yeah, it's, it's cold. We're we're iced in right now, so it works out okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel that. It's definitely cold up here as well too. Um, but you know, that's part of the experience being up here in Ohio.
0: Right. So one of the reasons why I reached out to you and wanted to bring you on is you kind of bring a different perspective than most of the people that are going to be on this podcast. Most everyone that's on the podcast or is going to be on the podcast are already out and they're telling the story of what happened. You're still active and more importantly, you are the front line of the next generation of Marines. You are a recruiter and we want to kind of get some people some insight on what it what it is to be a recruiter. So um you know, it, before we start into the uh, the fun questions, if you want to kind of give some people your background and maybe go into what it takes and what it is like being a recruiter in today's, especially with COVID and all that, what it's like being a recruiter right now.
1: Yeah, so right now, um, over this past year, I've been out here, um, you know, it's it's been a different experience for most. Uh, it's We really have been rewriting the playbook in terms of recruiting and Um, and finding new ways of getting out there. uh, Before, Uh, most of what we did was going into the high schools, being out there in the community, being those influencers out in person, and uh, definitely making that difference in everyone's lives. Um, And now that COVID's here, uh, we've lost opportunities to be in the schools. We lost opportunities via events. Um, and just being out in the community in general now, it's a whole different experience, as I'm sure we're all learning over this past year that most people are just out there to get what they need and they go home. You know, they're not out there to mingle and, you know, talk with people and have that face to face interaction as much. So uh, a lot of what we're doing now is really uh, trying to get out there more on social media and not just post just the recruiting message from a recruiter's perspective. It's mostly just hey, this is who I am. You know, my name's Matthew Hemming. I'm a normal guy, just like you. And, uh, you know, here's my family. I post a lot of that stuff on there, what I like to do, what I'm into. Uh, Normally, if I see something that I like, I tag people in it, uh, put it on my story and whatnot as well, too. But a little bit of, uh, you know, that, I also make sure to get the point across that I'm here to recruit. And, you know, if you are looking for information, In terms of, uh, you know, what the Marine Corps is about. uh, That's what my page is about as well, too. You just go on there and, you know, I have plenty of posts on my Instagram that explain what the Marine Corps can do for you and will do for you.
0: So I know that uh, we were talking kind of before we went live and and started recording and you were talking about uh, the social media aspect and all that. But I want people to understand that um, the life of a recruiter is is not the easiest thing in the world especially now but you guys work extremely long hours and all that can you kind of give an idea without going too far in depth of your personal life but about how many days a week are you working longer hours than what your normal job would be
1: okay yeah that's a great question um and to be honest with you uh going into it a normal job in the marine corps is about you know, for most people, it's about eight to five. Uh, You know, you might get up a little earlier and go for a run or whatever uh, in PT in the Marine Corps. Uh, But here in recruiting duty, our day typically starts at, you know, seven or eight in the morning, and we go until the job's done. Um, And sometimes it requires us to go to 10 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night. Um, And we're working pretty much every day of the week. Uh, We're either processing, shipping, or uh, holding appointments for people that are interested in joining the Marine Corps. So for the most part, uh, I like to tell people that work anywhere from 80 to a hundred hours a week. Uh, you know, that's a whole lot of work when you think about it. But, uh, other than that though, you know, once you get in the group of things, it's really something that makes time fly by. Uh, at first it's a, you know, a little difficult to get adjusted to, cause you go from maybe 60 hours a week to, to that workload. And, uh, but as long as you take care of yourself and you make time for your family and whatnot as well, too, uh, it pays off in the long run.
0: Absolutely. And I know that it's got to be um, – I, I know the recruiters in general, not just the Marine Corps, but I think, you know, military-wide, if something goes wrong with someone in their career, the first thing they do is – my recruiter did this and my recruiter said that. So you've got a lot of pressure on there. But, you know, you are you are basically the representative of the Marine Corps in your area to the civilians that not, not just the people that we're looking to get to join, but their families, their friends, uh, because I'm assuming that you might be talking to John Smith about joining the Marine Corps, he may not be interested, but his buddy hears a conversation, so you have to kind of have that public face, and you are representing the Marine Corps as a whole to your community, and there's a lot of pressure in that, I'm assuming.
1: Oh, yes, for sure. Um, You know, everything we do in our local community, we're only, you know, a couple of Marines around this area, and uh, there's no major Marine Corps base around here, so you know, a lot of people around here are very patriotic, for the most part, in uh, Central Ohio. But uh, you know, uh, there's definitely that aspect to those things of pressure, uh, making sure you're always doing the right thing. Um, and you know, recruiting's not for everyone either. You know, if you're not capable of uh, handling yourself on the independent duty, uh, you know, I don't suggest doing recruiting duty unless if you think you can do that. Um, and the other thing too is this you learn how to publicly speak with people as well. And, uh, you know, you get used to always being that face. And to me, I really like that uh, inspiration aspect of it. You know, I like to inspire the young men and women. I'm walking around in uniform. They see me uh, they might not know I'm in the Marines until I tell them, because I do get accused that I'm in the army a lot. And, you know, I like the education aspect of things, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to show people what a Marine looks like and, you know, yeah. hopefully you made a difference.
0: Well, I think that uh, the one thing that we have over the other branches is is you're wearing them right now. We've got the blues mm-hmm. and the blues stand out. I mean, I know that most people, even from other branches, have even said, man, you guys have the greatest dress uniform in the world. And so it does help. The blues are you stand out in a crowd for sure. That's for sure. And uh, they are sharp looking um, and all that. But, yeah, um, having that persona, because, you know, I I think the biggest thing that uh, most kids I remember when I was thinking about joining is you hear and you, you hear all these things about the Marine Corps, about. The, the fiercest fighting force in the world and, and, and a lot of and all of that stuff is true. But like you said, there is a human element to every Marine and you know, they, want you at that peak performance, when you're ready to go down range, But most of our time is training and and downtime, and you've got to be able to figure out how to manage a family and all that. So it is nice, I think, for people to see that we, you know, we are normal people. We have families, we have kids and wives, and we coach softball and soccer and basketball and all that other stuff that that goes into being a real human being that, you know, you're not just this robot all the time. So I think that that is very important for the recruiters to maybe help people understand that. We're normal people as well. I think you brought that up earlier as well. Yes, sir. All right. So let's jump into the fun stuff. Um, we, we've got a list of questions that, we you know, from our viewers and all of that, that they've kind of said over the time what they'd like to hear background and, and all that. So uh, for me, the, the first question that I want to ask you is this, what motivated you to join the Marine Corps now that you're motivating other people, but what motivated you? What was your story as to why you joined the Marine Corps?
1: you know for me what motivated me was uh i went straight into college uh out of high school uh mainly because my mother was uh, concerned about um you know the war going on back in 2007 when i graduated high school and you know iraq afghanistan was still very big thing um but you know i did a whole year in college and uh, i didn't really like it it wasn't for me type of deal and uh i realized i'm not about that life and uh I think a big part of me always wanted to be a United States Marine or always wanted to be in the military of some aspect of things. So, uh, you know, going forward, what motivated me was circumstances, I would say, for the most part. Uh, I was working full time, going to school full time, and I just didn't like that life. And I wanted to make that change. And what I mean by the change, you know, I mainly mean I wanted to be challenged. I wanted to learn how to live life. But not only that, I came from a very small town. So I wanted to see what life was all about. And uh, you know, when it comes down to choosing the Marines over any of the other branches, it was really uh, you know, I saw a poster going down the road one day, I was having a bad day, and it happened to be a Marine on that poster, and I was like, you know what, today's the day. And, you know, I walked in the office and a couple of weeks later I was at San Diego uh, you know, boot camp and
0: on, you know, on the yellow footprints, man. <laughs> On the yellow footprints. So that kind of goes into the next question. Before we, we're going to talk a little bit about boot camp, but um, for a lot of people, it was the yellow footprints or it was the initial shock and awe of going into receiving. Do you remember um, that oh crap moment? Like it became real to you, like I'm here. It, it was getting on the plane, or when was that moment? Everyone has one, but when was that moment for you of like, oh, there's no going back? I'm here now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so that moment for me was, uh, I would say, it used to be called Black Friday when you pick up with your platoon, with your drone instructors that you're going to have for the next 13 weeks, Um, and the oh crap moment was when I was getting yelled at by my uh, kill hat, they called it back then, um, for him slipping on the uh, sunblock that I had on the floor after we dumped all of our bags out. He slipped, and as he's falling down, he's knife-handed me. And yelling at me for you know being uh in the wrong and uh that's the first time i ever got yelled at for someone else falling down so that was my oh man here i am moment and you know after that you know the rest is history for the most part you know
0: yeah it's um like everyone's got that moment and uh i I think for me um i remember standing on the yellow footprints and then you go into the receiving, and you go to those little cubicles. And they you dump all your stuff out, and you're sitting. I remember, I remember very distinctly, and it's probably like midnight, one o'clock in the morning, when all this is going on. But I remember standing there and just having people just yelling all the time, and I, and I, and I didn't know who to listen to, mm-hmm. and so I wasn't really sure. Like, and I think that, oh, that's probably planned. They wanted to kind of throw you into a little confusion. But I'm thinking, going, do I listen this guy, this guy, this guy? And then I just had that moment, as like it doesn't matter. I, I think I'm gonna be wrong no matter who I choose. Yeah. So you know, and that's just that is, <laughs> it's planned that way. But for me, that was the first moment, like I can't just walk out the door at this point. I'm here. Let's get through this. So uh, that was an interesting thing for me.
1: I feel um, you. I remember. Oh, that.
0: yeah. So speaking of boot camp, you know, once you've made that realization, it's happened. You get the next 13 weeks to basically transform you from a nasty civilian into a marine um, and people don't realize what they literally break you down and build you up and how they do it in just 13 weeks is pretty amazing but is there one story um that you can tell or whatever but is there one story that kind of sums boot camp up for you like something you remember you'll always remember like this is what boot camp is to me
1: yeah, so the biggest story from boot camp that I have is probably, um, to be honest with you, it was during the Crucible. Uh, our I was lucky enough to be with my senior drill instructor uh, in our little group during the Crucible time frame, which is that three-day event, a little sleep, a little food. Um, and he was all about the hard life, like this, eat all of our MREs uh, right away, and uh, we're not going to get any sleep. We're going to be the best group out here. And uh, you know, for me, that was the hardest time because by that very last day when we're hiking up there in Camp Pendleton, going up that big mountain, uh, you know, I was exhausted. And it the biggest story I remember from that was that's when I was truly challenged and tested uh to earn that title. But not only that, you know, I never was the most in shape person in boot camp, but I was, you know, that Moment going up that mountain, I remember like a lot of people that I thought were, you know, better off than me physically, uh, you know, they were falling backwards and I was the one helping motivate them, get up and stand up and just make it to the top of this mountain. And uh, when we finally got up there, just getting that orange that we got, that fruit that they gave every recruit up there to help us, you know, hike the rest of the way back down. uh, That was that best moment of my life during boot camp for the most part, was just that simple orange. And it's those little things in the Marine Corps or in the military in general, where you just cherish just a simple orange, which makes it so special.
0: So I didn't have the crucible when I was in, we didn't have the crucible back then. So, um, you know, we had second phase of at camp Pendleton and we basically did basically the same thing. We were out in the field for about 10, 11 straight days, um, doing night nav, doing all the stuff, probably and all the other stuff. It just wasn't called the crucible. The yeah. difference is, is what, which you guys have, which I wish we did. Um, now we, we, we humped up the Reaper and I think overall we did over 50 miles of humping, whatever. Um, but the last part was humping up and down the reaper. We called it a different name. Um, but yeah, But I understand that you guys at the end of the crucible, you guys have a kind of ceremony where you receive your, your EGAs. And uh, we, we didn't get that. We received them on the Sunday prior to graduation. We had family day and we had to give them back that night. And then we got them the final time we had a little in in the squad bay a little ceremony the Thursday night prior to the Friday graduation where we actually received them for good but I, I would imagine with all the stuff that goes along with the crucible and then at the end of it like you said not just receiving the orange but at the end of it you're receiving your eagle globe and anchor which basically means you're a marine at this point you've you've earned that title I wish we had something like that that would have been really really cool so can you kind of tell someone right now and it's out there what the emotions are and, and what the feeling is is going through that crucible going through that 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 hell of three months and then all of a sudden your senior drill instructor your drill instructor your company commander whoever it is puts it, that ega in your hand and calls you marine for the first time i imagine that's pretty emotional is it not
1: oh yes yes exactly um and that's something we always talk about as recruiters as well too is that moment was is probably still the most powerful moment in my life for the most part short of my kids being born and welcoming them into the world. Um, But at that moment in my life, um, you know, hiking back down off that mountain after eating that orange and we stand in formation for that ceremony for our Eagle Globe and Anchor ceremony and your drill instructor placing that in your hand. It's the, everything you've gone through, it just, it just all comes down to that moment. And I will tell you, you know, that's first time I probably cried, you know, uh for something I've earned in my whole life at that moment. And uh, you know, you're tired, you're trying to keep your, you know, standing up for a while as doing formation, your legs are smoked. Um, and it's it's tough, but it's definitely, you know, when that Eagle Gobin anchor is presented to you and your drill instructor calls you a, a marine for the first time, it's you know, it's something I'm always going to remember. And uh, that's something I can't tell everyone enough is, you know, that moment is definitely uh, you will never forget it going forward in your life.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of getting gooses because I I guess like we didn't have that specific moment. But I remember um, this is back in 1994, though, man. Uh, yeah. I remember Thursday night. So Thursday, we get all of our uniform. Everything was making sure everything's good to go for the next day's graduation. We ended up watching a movie that night and before that our senior was in there and you know he, he like I said, he, he kind of got us all together and he just kind of went individually. And I, I'll I'll never forget that because you, you go through it let's just be real. Marine Corps boot camp is different than anything else you're ever going to go through. It is hard it's extremely difficult. It is extremely stressful, but they make it that way. They want you to earn that title. They're not going to give it to you. They want you to know when you graduate, you're at that tip of the spear of people in this world. So I think that that's one of the coolest things is um, we talk about earning the title. And you, if you go to Marine Corps boot Camp, you're going to earn that title. Let's make no mistake about it, but it is probably the most rewarding thing that you're ever going to go through because mom and dad, brother and sister, best friends, no one is there to get you through it. It's you. Do you have the physical and the mental fortitude to get through hell for 13 weeks? Because on the other side of it is the Marine Corps. And I think that that's an awesome thing. Um, so you go from boot camp and you went to, did you, uh, you went to, uh, MCT, which is Marine combat training. I've been Pendleton after that. And then you went to your schooling. Can you kind of tell people, what were your primary MOS was?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I'm in communications. I do, uh, IT network engineering. Uh, my job's kind of changed a little bit in the Marine Corps as the years have flown by, but it's still basically dealing with computers. Uh, I went to 29 palms Marine Corps communications, electronics school there. Um, and I got the MOS at the time. It was called Data Systems Operator. Um, And then throughout my years so far, it's transformed uh, into what it is now, uh, 0639 IT Network Engineer. Um, And long story short, it's really a good job to get into in terms of being able to take it out of the Marine Corps and apply somewhere in the civilian world. Um, You know, right now, I I tell people this a lot when i'm recruiting them is i get out of the marine corps right now and probably get a job that's making 100k a year uh with yep. the i've earned since i've been in so it's definitely uh a rewarding job for sure but it's uh ever-changing for the most part and that's what i like about it
0: yeah so we um we spent some time up at the stumps obviously doing some training stuff and i uh it's an interesting place to say the least oh yes uh, cool. So the, the interesting thing about the Marine Corps is a lot of people fascinating you bring up after the Marine Corps and jobs and all that. I think, so I think a lot of people out there, they, they think they hear all these stories. And they think that Marines are just not very smart and they're they call us jarheads, but they, they take that jarhead as a different way. But um, they think that we're not very smart and we're just these human hunting machines and all that. But what they don't realize is overall, at least it was back when I was in, maybe you can give us some insight now. But at one point when I was in, the Marine Corps had, I want to say, the highest average ASVAB score of all the branches. And so it's kind of interesting where people just assume that the Marines are this. But um, setting and finding a job, you don't always have to go and be a, a pipe, uh, pipe hitter or a door kicker. It's, there's a lot of different things that happen in the Marine Corps that can set you up. In civilian life because you're going to get trained by the best and you you know you're called you can go to tech school out in the civilian world you go to an MOS school and you're going to be trained by the best when you get done with your service like you said you're going to be set up you have the possibility of being set up with a really really good job so when you talk to recruits and you talk to people that are interested in the Marine Corps do most people ask you more about the jobs like or are they like, hey, am I going to go overseas or deployed? When am I going to get a gun? Like, what's the first couple of questions that most people are going to ask you uh, when you speak to them as a recruiter?
1: Yeah. So uh, from that aspect of thinking, for the most part, um, you know, there's always uh, people that want to join the Marine Corps to be those door kickers. So they don't really care about hearing about anything else for the most part. Um, but. You know, there are the ones that we try to explain to um, that are definitely not understanding of what the Marine Corps is all about. Like you were saying, uh, a lot of people have that perception. When we tell them we have almost about uh, over 200 different jobs, uh, technical skill jobs, and we sit down and explain to them how all the services are pretty relatable in that aspect of things, um, you know, it's definitely their first questions are like, "Well, well, what kind of jobs do we got? Am I going to be certified? Can I use that stuff in the civilian world? And then we break it down into like, yes, you will be certified uh, starting out in your MOS school and then going further. You know, you stay in the Marine Corps past four years. Are you going to the advanced MOS schools? You're getting certified in a higher capacity. You're taking on that supervisor manager role more and more. And those are the things we try to sell to people and make them understand that, you know, it's not just about what service branch you're joining. It's that job experience. It's the Marine Corps as well, too. You know, we are the best of the best when it comes down to it because America demands the Marines be the most ready. So what are we always doing? We're always training. We're always practicing practicing our skill set. And uh, what does that do for you? It allows you to go in to the civilian world um, and explain that and be the one that's uh, you know, probably more favorable in the job markets uh, when an employer is trying to hire someone.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that that's something, and, and I hire people um, for at my work and all that. And, and I tell the story all the time. If I'm looking for, if I've got a position opening and I have two candidates, one's a 22, 23-year-old college graduate. Awesome. Good for you. And the other one is a 22, 23-year-old veteran. That did his four or five years, got out. I'm probably going with a veteran, not because I'm a veteran myself. That does play a role. But more importantly, they have life skills. So the person that has a college degree, yeah, that's great. But the person that has been in the military has the sense of duty. They have a sense of time management. They can work under stress. They have built-in leadership skills. All of these things that the same person, the same age, this person is going to have half of what this person this the veteran has as far as comes to technical skills, leadership ability, once again, time management, responsibility, all of these things play into a role when you're being hired. Having that on the background of being in the military for four or five years or whatever it is is going to look really really good to a lot of people because they don't have to worry about you. You know, and even if you don't have the exact training that they need for that job, they can teach you that stuff because they know that you can be taught. Yep. So if you're if you're out there and you're worried about, well, I don't know if I want to do this because I, I, everyone says a college degree. That's not necessarily the case. So just be mindful of that. So the next question I want to bring up is where have you been fortunate enough? We'll say fortunate, but where all have you been fortunate enough to to go while in the Marine Corps, whether it was schooling or uh, downrange or whatever. But, you know, where all have you spent time at while you're in the Marine Corps?
1: Yeah. Uh, So I like to talk about that, too. So I've been over uh, to over 10 different countries since I've been in a bunch of different states for training and whatnot. But uh, the big ones that stand out, um, you know, I've been stationed in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. Uh, After that, I went to Marine Corps Air Station, New River in North Carolina as well. Uh, and then I went on a joint duty assignment for three years in Scott Air Force Base, Illinois, um, and had a good time down there as well, too. And it was definitely one of those experiences where I learned how to be uh, adaptable and overcome a, different, a lot of different things. Um, you know, I was working the Army, Navy, and Air Force during that time. Um, and then 29 Palms was my last duty station before I came here. And in terms of deployments and seeing different things and fun experiences, uh, you know, I talk about different countries I've been in. I've been in Germany, Romania, Kyrgyzstan, uh, Australia, um, and a couple other European countries. Can't remember where we stopped at, to be honest with you. But, uh, in terms of deployment wise, uh, I was part of operation monster with third uh, battalion, six Marines in Afghanistan, Marja, Afghanistan, to be exact. And, uh, You know, I got to be a field radio operator, uh, which isn't my primary MOS at all. Uh, But I got to do that while I was with them. And uh, I was attached to a line company, kilo company out there on my first deployment and got to learn the grunt style of things and uh, really learn to respect uh, their MOS. And, you know, some of my closest friends came from that deployment, to be honest. I still keep up with all of them to this day. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to go back again in 2011 to Marja, Afghanistan. This time we weren't really doing an invasion force type of deal. Uh, it was more of a holding operation where we're just keeping security and helping the Afghan National Police and Army out and make sure they can, you know, fully take over. Um, and then after that, for the most part, I haven't been deployed again for a long time. Uh, I've been to different training areas for the most part. But, uh yeah, going forward, it's just going throughout my career now. I've been doing mostly the garrison life now. And, uh, you know, I do miss going out there and doing some of the funner things when I was younger.
0: Yeah, that's that's one of the things where, uh, you know, I, I get people all the time asking where I've been, kind of some of the training and the stuff that we did. and And you look back and you look at all the stuff that we did, especially in training, you're like, man, we did some really – cool stuff and, and you you know what people don't realize is 99% of the world is not going to be able to experience that stuff and being being a Marine is you're going to have your primary MOS but as you found out first and foremost every Marine is a rifleman so more importantly than your MOS is you're a Marine first. So you, there's a lot of things you're going to get to do, whether it's fast roping out of the helicopters or, you know, whatever you're going to do is uh, one of the coolest things I ever did was spy rigging. I'm terrified of heights. Um, I, I overcame that real quickly. I also had a sergeant that said that if you don't, then things will get bad. But um, I was a 19 year old PFC and, and doing spy rigging for the first time was crazy. But I look back and I was like, I would have never been able to do that as a civilian. There's going to be a lot of stuff that you're going to be able to do as as a Marine. And that's really cool thing about it. Um, But yeah, it, it's, it's really cool that you're, that you've got to see a lot of places. There are a lot of people that are like you that are from a smaller town. I'm from Dallas. So I grew up in a huge city, but a small town, they don't know what's outside that bubble. And if you're going to go see the world, you might as well get paid for it. You know, that's the greatest thing about it. Might as well get paid for it. Um, so Yeah. Uh, when it comes down to your career so far, you've been in almost, what, 12 years, I guess, almost? And um, 12 years. So of all of the ranks that you've had, what were what's the rank that you're most proud of receiving?
1: Yeah, so the rank I'm most proud of receiving is probably the rank I currently am right now as Staff Sergeant. Um, but it's by far my least favorite rank. Uh, you know, I've enjoyed being up here i'm planning on getting promoted in gunnery sergeant this year um so i'm working really hard at getting that done uh but my favorite rank and this is most people that served in the marine corps they really love being a sergeant and i loved being the sergeant of marines the sergeant uh in the marine corps is the backbone like you know put it simply we get stuff done as a sergeant um and i'm not saying other ranks can't get things done but the sergeant is the one where uh, he's given the most responsibilities at a younger age in the Marine Corps. Um, you know, you might be a senior sergeant and, you know, you have more experience, but when you're a young sergeant, you're really learning and you're really uh, adapting and overcoming and helping and guiding and mentoring your Marines beneath you as well, too. So, uh, And what people don't really fully understand all the time either For me, uh, what I loved the most about it was we are really the buffer zone between the senior uh, staff non-commissioned officers and the junior Marines in the Marine Corps. Um, You know, we get the mission, we get the assignment, and, you know, we find our way to make sure it gets done. And as long as the mission's completed and we're keeping that a priority and taking care of everyone above and below us, you know, that's really where you get the most gratification out of it.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I wasn't in that long. Uh, but when I, when I, when I, uh, when I became a corporal, it was kind of cool because you're an NCO, and and, and I agree, the NCOs, especially the sergeants, are the absolute backbone of any Marine Corps unit and the Marine Corps in general. Uh, I remember being a corporal and giving my my own team, my own fire team, and that was something that I was like, oh crap, like okay, I'm responsible for three other dudes at this point, you know, and that was kind of interesting to take that leadership role. But once again, they, they're not going to put you in that position if they don't think that you can handle it. And you're talking about leadership skills. You're talking about uh, you have to be able to, to empathize with what's going on because every Marine has their own story, their own background. So you have to be able to decipher what is uh, real, what's crap, what's an excuse and, take that and and build them into what you need them to be. So, yeah. So, of all your time in the Marine Corps, now there are probably some stuff that you may not be able to talk about or want to talk about, but in your time in the Marine Corps, is there a story that kind of defines your time in there that says, this could only happen in the military. This couldn't happen in the civilian world.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, there's a lot of stories that I can't tell you, Um, but there is one in particular I'm willing to share, um, and only a few people know about this. I don't even think I told my wife about this story because it's embarrassing. But um, uh, one time when I was serving with Third Battalion, six Marines, we were in Twenty Nine Palms for our pre-deployment training there, and uh, I was with the communications platoon at the time, and uh, my little group of NCOs and lance corporals and privates and whatnot. We got tasked with uh, setting up what's called a retransmission site, which is designed to uh, help radio comm uh, work at a further range so the infantry and ground forces can do their job um, and the commander can direct it. So uh, we got tasked with setting up that site on top of a mountain in the middle of nowhere. And as I'm sure you remember, 29 Palms, those mountains are way out there in the distance. Yes, they are you know, we were a group of, uh, NCOs and young Marines that just had to figure it out. We didn't have any super clear guidance on how to get it done. And we just grabbed our equipment and, uh, we headed out there. We knew where we had to go. We knew how to get it set up. And, uh, we took a Humvee there. It was about an hour trip, uh, into the desert. And, um, uh, you know, instead of lugging all the gear up to the top of the mountain, we decided to see how far we can get the Humvee up the mountain. And, uh, you know it in hindsight now uh, we kind of wish we didn't do that but uh, on our trip up the mountain we got the humvee stuck in a really big crater that was in the mountain like a humvee like tilted like this and we couldn't get it out um so that was embarrassing in itself because we had to radio back and let them know we got the humvee stuck um and we ended up being stuck out there for hours like it, long, long time. And, uh, it was getting close to almost nighttime out there in the middle of the summer, hundred degrees. Um, and, uh, I really had to use the bathroom and, uh, well, I tried it off into the distance, uh, to go use the bathroom. And, uh, I happened to step on a bunch of killer bees that were out there and really make them angry with me. And I'm pants down getting stung. And, uh, you know, here I am running back to the Humvee with you know, pants around my ankles, trying to pull them up and I'm getting stung all over the place. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely one of those stories where only in the military can you be in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, you know, Oh, mind you, I'm wearing full combat gear as well too. So sure. Kevlar helmet, flak jacket, and everything. And yeah. It At least
0: you were in your mop gear. At least you weren't in mop gear because that would be even worse. <laughs> <laughs> But, man, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that, man, that people just don't, it, there's, when you look back, at least when I look back, you know, there was some crazy stuff, but it was just like, it, you laugh about it, you know, it, obviously that was not fun at the time, but you look back at it now and it's like, that was hilarious, like, you know, what are you going to do? You know, you might as well laugh about it, so that's that's awesome.
1: Definitely. Um,
0: made me think of that story so well yeah well you'll never forget that you'll see another hive of killer bees the rest of your life and you remember that
1: (laughs) Uh, never never again
0: that's right that's right so the next thing i want to talk to you about is um you're not out yet uh obviously you're you've you're still in active service Um, But there are a lot of people that are still in that listen to this podcast. And a lot of the questions that I got were they're a little nervous about transitioning into civilian world. Now, you already touched a little bit about having the job training, the certification that will help with jobs. But as a recruiter, you know, and, and you've known people that have transitioned out. Can you give someone any advice to say, hey, you know, when you're getting ready to transition, you know, these are some resources that are there out there to help you or all that because there are a lot of people that are nervous about transitioning out and, and getting becoming a civilian again. Can you give them a little bit of guidance there?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've helped a lot of Marines transition out uh during my time in. You know, there's a lot of those Marines I only do four years and they want to get out and move on with life. And you know, I've gotten to experience that like quite a bit. Some of my closest friends done that. And uh some of the biggest advice that I've heard from them. Um, that I share to a lot of people now is, you know, when you're in the Marine Corps, you really got to make the most of it. And when you see those training opportunities, you see those opportunities to uh, make your resume look better when you get out of the military, take them.
0: Because it's all
1: about how uh, what you make of your Marine Corps experience. If you want to have a negative experience, you'll have a negative experience and you won't get anything out of it. But if you're positive, and you make the most out of it, you're going to come out of the Marine Corps with things you need to be successful in life. Now, in terms of resources and whatnot, uh, the Marine Corps does have, um, you know, it's a class that we call uh, SEPs and taps. Uh, They also call it the transition readiness program as well, too, that you have to attend. And they teach you how to, you know, transition in the civilian life as well, too. Um, I know the military one source is really a big, helpful thing from what I've been hearing uh when it comes down to uh you know different areas that you might need help with in terms of moving and setting up a life again um and I've heard nothing but good things about the military one source I myself haven't used them yet but you know it's definitely one of those things I'm happy that is out there and it's free doesn't cost anything
0: yeah, that's one. So we went. I remember going through a separations class, and it was maybe over a two or three day span uh, when I was getting ready to eas out. And I just remember being overwhelmed. Um, they they threw a lot of information at you in a very quick amount of time. So if you are going through those classes and all that, don't be afraid. Don't be like me. I didn't ask questions. There's a lot of stuff that I was like, huh, "Huh? I'll figure it out." Ask questions. That's what they're there for. Um, they they've got to get you a lot of information, but they'll also take their time and answer questions if you need to. So if you're nervous um, about it, talk to whoever you need to talk to in um, your admin or whatever. They can probably help you set up. I know the VA has. I work a little bit with the VA now. I'm on a task force with veteran suicide on the national level. We're doing some stuff behind the scene and trying to cut it from 22. And in the last few years, we've cut it from 22 uh, suicide by veterans a day down to 17. Not saying we did that, but we're doing a lot of stuff. But the VA gets a, a bad rap. Some of it is justified, no doubt about it. Yes. Um, but they are trying. Um, they're trying to do better things. So even if you plan on, if you're transitioning, even if you're not planning on ever using any of your VA benefits, when you get out, find your local VA uh, benefit office and at least go and talk to them. Find out. The, they might be able to answer questions that your separations package couldn't give you or whatever. Um, but be able to use that. And don't be afraid to use the VA. They are good at some things, some things that they have to get better at, but they are they are good at some things. But yeah, thank you for uh, talking about the um, one source. I had not heard of that. That's that obviously a Something wasn't around when I was there, but that's awesome to know that there is something out there that is free um, to the, the Marines and all that.
1: If I could add to it real quick. Uh, oh, absolutely. The other thing I find the most helpful from what I've been hearing too uh, is just relying on each other. Don't ever forget your Marine Corps family because there's so many of us out there that have started our own businesses like yourself um, that you know, they're there for you as well, too. And don't be afraid to go on those social media pages uh, that have those groups about Marine veterans or whatnot. And just- I'm on several
0: of them. them, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I'm on all of them as well, too. And, you know, I'm always offering an active duty perspective of the advice as well. And it's uh, it's definitely, you know, never forget your brothers and sisters. We're always going to be there to help you out.
0: You know, that's the, that's the one thing about the Marines, I think that uh, every branch- You know, I think if you ask every branch to take everything off to the side and be honest, they'll say two things. One, when it comes right down to it, man for man, power for power, Marine Corps is the best branch out there. As far as a fighting force, there is no doubt that we are the best of the best. Even the Army will say that. Um, But I think the biggest thing that I've heard from a lot of people that are friends of mine that serve in other branches is they admire our brotherhood and sisterhood but they, they admire the semper fidelis creed and, and to us semper fidelis isn't just they're not just words it's you know, it's always faithful means something and, and i've been in situations where i've been at a restaurant and a guy was getting ready to get into a fight and literally stood up on top of a table and said do the words semper fidelis mean anything to anyone in this room and about six or seven of us stood up without even questioning went over there and we're like we got you bro and that's a real thing so and you're right that is the one thing that the marine corps can never the world can never take from you is you're always united states marine and you're always going to have brothers and sisters out there that are willing to be there and have your back and that is the coolest thing and like i said i i know the other branches are very proud but i think that it's by far it's not even close the pride that the marines have over the other branches it's it's a very there's only two hundred thousand of us roughly at a time Mm -hmm. in one time so we're a very small small group of people and and um once again everyone's a rifleman first so everyone's gone through the same kind of stuff whether they're mos dictated that or not everyone's been through combat training everyone's been through and embraced the suck if you will um so yeah you're right i love that um so speaking of boot camp, we remember the pit. You know, we call the pit. I don't know if you guys call it the pit, but the pit was uh, the, the sandbox outside the squad bay. That if you were going to get thrashed, that's where it was. So what we call the pit here on the podcast is that quick response, rapid word association, and all that. So if you've got a few minutes, we're going to run you through the pit real quick. All right,
1: Let's go for it.
0: All right, best and worst MRE.
1: Ooh, uh, best. I would say the chili mac uh, is the best, and the worst is probably the veggie omelet, like everyone normally agrees with me.
0: <laughs> Mine was um, the, the ham steak, and then we had a tuna with noodles that was not good. But everyone I talked to that was in the 2000s for sure said the veggie omelet was terrible. I'm almost tempted to go try to find like an army surplus store <laughs> and see uh-huh. if anyone have a veggie omelet just uh-huh. to treat it, but I've heard it's bad. all right so best and worst place that you've been in the marine corps
1: uh best place uh i would say hands hands down is camp lejeune i really enjoyed my experience out there um and maybe it's just the atmosphere and you know the uh you know i'm not much of a desert california guy to be honest with you and then uh worst place by far is 29 palms Uh, (laughs) that base is you know, it shouldn't even exist, but it does. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I hopefully will never end up back there again.
0: I, uh, so it's funny. I spent my time over at First Rig in, in Pendleton and then overseas in Okinawa in the third. Um, we had to go to uh, Lejeune for a little bit for a, a two or three weeks at a regional intelligence uh, training command there in Lejeune. And we had to uh, do a little quick thing, get certified on one of the, the radios or something. I can't remember exactly, but it, we were there for a very short amount of time. And maybe it's because we, we were Southern California, you know, Marines and all of that, the Hollywood Marines, if you will. Uh, I did not like Lejeune. Now, a buddy of mine who was with Second Force, um, he was out of, uh, he was at Second Shrig and he was in Lejeune and loved it and hated when they had to come over to the West Coast. So maybe that is one of those things. If you're a, if you're a primary West Coast guy, you're going to hate the East Coast. If you're an East Coast guy, you're going to hate the West Coast. But I think we can all agree that the Stumps is the worst place in the world. No doubt about it. Uh, 29 Palms is terrible. Um, yeah, I don't know why they still have that. Maybe because it's free land, I don't know, but that is the worst place ever.
1: and It must be cheap for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: what was your favorite weapon, or what is your favorite weapon that you have shot thus far in the Marine Corps?
1: Uh, so I went through a mach- machine gunner's course uh, a long time ago when I was a younger Marine, and uh, I really enjoyed just shooting the machine guns because. You know, you can't really find those in the civilian, civilian world very well. Um, you know, some places have them, but you know, that's the one opportunity I really enjoyed is uh, I got to shoot the 50 cal uh, machine gun, and, you know, that's a fun gun to shoot, and uh, yes, you get some kind of damage it does, and it's not only that, but it's just, you know, it's, it's definitely something you only get experience in the military, for sure, so...
0: I, I always said the MP5, I have a tie. MP5 was awesome. I loved the MP5, but the Mark 19, I mean, how could you not like a 40 millimeter belt-fed yeah. fully automatic grenade launcher? Um, you know, and when you'll see the home Vs with turrets, it's either a 50 or it's the Mark 19 on top of those turrets and um, but yeah the machine guns are also awesome. the saws we we didn't use the 249 very much we used the 240 bravo a lot which was wow. a 308 round versus the 556 um but but those are fun i mean the m6 they're, they're all great so if, if you like shooting really cool guns um marine corps is going to be as, as good as anyone to go and, and everyone's going to get to shoot some of them uh, everyone you know i think in mct you shoot The fifty, maybe the mark. I know you shoot the the sixty for sure in MCT. So yeah, but if you want to join, that's awesome. Uh, So now we're gonna go into some little different uh, non-military stuff. So, um, who's your favorite superhero?
1: (laughs) So it's (laughs) cliche for the most part, but I've always. uh, loved captain america for the most part um you know captain america is an ordinary guy small little dude uh that got superpowers. um you know super strength and uh you know he stands for everything i think everyone wants to stand for and you know i might not love the marvel movies that much i'm not a huge fan of them but i've always enjoyed captain America and I used to read comic books growing up as well too. So it was always a good story to read and you know see what he stood for.
0: So of the two, Marvel or DC?
1: Uh definitely DC for the most part. Uh, even though Captain America is the Marvel side, I'm also a huge Superman fan. So Superman and Batman are, you know, right below Captain America for the most part.
0: Yeah, see, I, I never read comic books. Um, so I, I, I watch the movies. And my favorite superhero is Batman um, because I remember the, my, the Michael Keaton Batman when I was growing up was an awesome one. Um, I like now I like the Marvel movies hmm. better. Like I love Thor. I love Chris Hemsworth's character as Thor. He, I think mean, he plays a, a hilarious Thor.
1: Yeah,
0: um, but I, I like the Marvel movies, but I my, my favorite kind of opposite of yours, but my favorite superhero is batman so it's kind of one of those things where you get whatever so uh, (laughs) what was your first car
1: oh oh boy Um, (laughs) bought it for five hundred dollars in high school Um, i believe it was my senior year i got it and it was a 1991 ford Taurus station wagon and uh, it was beat up Uh, but you know one of the good things about buying a very old used car like that was I learned how to become a mechanic for the most part. And uh, basically, everything on that car broke, and I learned how to fix it somehow, some way. So,
0: <laughs> well, more importantly, you had wheels. It, 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 when you're 16 or whatever, it, 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 at what point does it matter? You know, it, it's you yeah. have freedom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it, I even, you know, I did the best to try to make it cool. You know, I put a speaker system in it, and, you know, that was a thing back then, though, when I was younger. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh yeah. You gotta have the base, man. It's all about that base. <laughs> so if you could act out any character from a movie in real life, any character ever in any movie ever, you could act out that character in real life. Who would it be?
1: Uh, definitely. I, I would love to be John Wick. You know, uh, John Wick's a pretty cool, humble guy. Um, you know, he, he's been through a lot in his life. Um, And uh, all he ultimately wants at the end of the day is to have peace and, you know, spend time with his dog. And what kind of man doesn't want to do. And, uh, you know, all the other cool things he does, you know, that's fun. And uh, being able to take out, you know, the the enemies of the world in that aspect um, and have that highly uh, skill of training is, uh, it, it sounds fun. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see how Keanu Reeves, you know, uh, trained for all that. And he really dedicated himself to becoming in that role. And I think that would be really cool to do. Uh,
0: Yeah, he is really he's he's dived into the gun world. and, And I've got a friend of mine who helped train him for the first John Wick and and she said that when he showed up he was all business and he was like I'm going to learn everything and he he was very professional and just dove in and was really worked hard on on mastering the crafts of of weapon manipulation and, and handling skills and safety and and all of that and, and and everyone that says that's been around him that i've heard said he's literally the nicest guy in the world like he's truly the nicest guy you'll ever meet which is nice to hear as well um, yeah because there's some real jerks out there but everyone i've heard said he's he's probably the nicest guy in hollywood and that's nice to hear because i love the john wick movies as well and um Knowing that the background of Keanu Reeves is a really down-to-earth, awesome person makes me like that character even more, for sure. I agree with you. Uh, Got a couple strange ones here. Um, Luke Skywalker or Han Solo? Uh,
1: Definitely Luke Skywalker.
0: Yep. Okay. And this is a question that uh, we always ask, and it always gets a lot of people laughing, but in in your mind and in your opinion... Is a hot dog a sandwich?
1: Of course it is. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, two pieces of the bread and there's something in the middle of it. And that's a sandwiched meal.
0: There you go. There you go. I want to ask you one final question that I think is going to be tremendously helpful for people that are getting ready to make that jump is what kind of advice can you give someone who is maybe gone through the MEPs and they're in that pulley stage or whatever, or they're getting ready to, they, they want to leave. What's the one piece of advice that you can give them to help them prepare for boot camp?
1: Yeah, so that one piece of advice, especially if you're in that stage where you're waiting to go to boot camp is, you know, physically and mentally, you need to give it your all while you're here. That's something I wish I did before I joined the Marine Corps. Uh, I didn't have that opportunity because I left so soon uh, after I signed up. But if you do have a lot of time before you leave for Marine Corps boot camp, I suggest, you know, get with your recruiter. Get with me if you're my poolie and watching this right now. And uh, just always continue learning. Always continue pushing yourself. And your recruiter's main job in life is to make sure you're fully prepared mentally and physically to go to boot camp. So give it your all while you're here.
0: Well, guys, this has been a really fun – I want to say thank you to Staff Sergeant Hemming. He's taken some time out of his day working. He's not at home hanging out and all that. He's, he's at work being uh, – right now he's having to answer phones and all that, but being a recruiter trying to pass the message of the Marine Corps on to the next generation of Marines. So, uh, Staff Sergeant Hemming, thank you so much for coming on. Um, i got a couple of questions before we go. Is there anything that you would like to maybe get out there about – a message that if you could talk to someone that is thinking about joining the Marine Corps, what's that one message that you want to get out there to them right now?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, if you're thinking about joining the military or the Marine Corps in general, the biggest advice I have for you is, you know, make sure to not wait on that process and get in contact with your recruiter as soon as you can. And that's not just us pushing you uh, through the door. That's us telling you, Hey, You know, if you want to be successful in life, why wait? Why sit on your butt and wait for your mom to be okay with it or your dad to be okay with it? It's not about them in the long run. You know, they're a big part of supporting you and being there for you, but it's about what you want in life. And always remember that you need to take care of you at the end of the day. And, you know, the rest will speak for itself. So my message for all you, get a hold of your recruiters. Let them know that you're interested. Let them know you're just looking around at your options. And I promise you, it's definitely worth that one to two-hour conversation to at least hear about your options in life.
0: Absolutely. And uh, thank you for what you do. Like I said, you are responsible for the next generation of Marines. Um, Where can people find you if they do want to uh, get a hold of you and ask you some questions? Is there some social media, uh, website, phone number? How can someone get a hold of Staff Sergeant Hemming.
1: Yeah. So you get a hold of me uh, either at Facebook is Matthew Hemming is my name on Facebook. Instagram is a uh, SSGT underscore Matthew underscore Hemming. And, or if you're just looking for some information from a recruiter in general, and you're not in the Mansfield, Ohio area, just go to uh, www.marines.com and click on the request for information link.
0: There you go. And thank you so much for coming on. It was awesome. I'm um, so glad we, we got together and, and talked and all that. This is a great perspective of someone, not only just a recruiter, but someone who's still inactive. Because I think that that's something that a lot of us old crusty guys, uh, I'm 45 years old, but a lot of us kind of, we we've lost, we, we keep the memories, but we've kind of lost the memories of what was the, the grind, the day-to-day grind Uh, i've been out for such a long time that it was just one of those things but it's awesome to hear about someone who's still in and kind of see how the marine corps is these days and all that because you guys took the torch from us and now your job is to pass the torch on to that next generation which is awesome um if you're out there guys and and you're watching this on video and all of that the links will be in the description below for any way you can contact matthew and get some information about the marine corps if you're listening in podcasts and all that, make sure that you understand that the conversation doesn't end. If you have questions or comments, utilize that comment section below. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a review if you're on iHeart or Spotify or Apple or wherever. Give us a good review if if you like what you're hearing and make sure that you subscribe or follow our podcast. That way you get notified every time there is a new episode. More importantly, guys, is understand this. Not everyone is made and built and can handle being a Marine. The greatest thing I can tell you is, is if you think you are, then try. Don't ever sit there and wonder if you can. Don't make that regret and say, I wonder if I could have done that years ago. Staff Sergeant Hemming, thank you so much for joining us. Guys, when you're out there, make sure that you're uh, contacting your local recruiter. If you need to get a hold of, of me, my information is always available in there go follow Staff Sergeant Hemming, go find your recruiter in your area, contact them, whether it's Marine Corps, Army, Navy, you know, Air Force, Coast Guard, whatever it is, you know, if you're looking to make a difference and take your your life in a new direction, be willing and able to sacrifice some time of your life and go learn a trade, go learn some responsibility, go learn some leadership and, and join the military. And if you really want to push yourself and find out what kind of a human being you really can be, Go be a Marine. And we're waiting for you. We're absolutely waiting for you to call your uh, a brother or a sister. And uh, we're never going to call you that until you've earned that title. But um, we are waiting for the next generation. So thank you as always, guys. We'll see you in the next podcast. Simplify. Well, guys, thanks so much for listening and watching this episode of the Jarhead Podcast. If you enjoy what you're hearing, make sure you go ahead and give us a follow or a thumbs up. And make sure you go check out our swag store on our website. GhostTacticalProductions.com Until next time, stay frosty, simplify.